don't grow weary. It's up on the screen there as well. It's a very well-known scripture. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Think about Ernie for a minute, going to work every day, you know, a bit of a closet Christian, you could have say, you know, a bit of a covert guy, until God gave him that platform to bring peace, to bring clarity. And that's how God works. But let's be honest for just a second. How many of you have ever pondered this question and asked yourself, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I in the right place? What should I be doing with my life? Am I just going through the motions? Has anyone ever thought, you know, you're not real sure where you're at or you've got a normal job and what's it got to do with the kingdom? You've got big dreams and you're thinking, how does that equate to what I'm doing right now? And that's what I hope to unpack for you today because the truth is we serve a really, really big God okay, who can find you no matter where you are. In his kingdom, this next slide proves it really, really well, Jesus is king. In his kingdom, Jesus is absolute Lord. And there's no exceptions to that. Absolute Lord. And you have to remember that. When you live your life and whatever you commit to him, Jesus is Lord. In your family, in your work, in your ministry, Jesus must be Lord. And I'll give you a quick example of that. Who's got um, some money on them? On them right now. A coin, a note. See, you, you give and it goes. <laughs> no, no. This is an example that... <laughs> I love you, bro. This is an example that Jesus did thousands of years ago, and it still holds up today. Whose face do you see on this? Do you see Jesus' face on this note? What, on the, what about on the back? No, it doesn't. And this is what they call mammon. This is, this is what we use to buy things to live. It's normal. Normal everyday life. But, just as we did before in the giving, we've taken something from the world, put it in our hands and blessed it under the Lordship of Christ, where He is King. And this now becomes something totally different. It's no longer $10 going into the trade. This is something that the kingdom that Jesus can use to change the world. Do you understand? Only because it's still $10. It's still the same thing that you would use to buy a Big Mac or whatever. But God can use that now because his lordship is covering it. Think about it also like that's a mundane thing. Where do you think David was when Samuel was looking for a new king? He said, Jesse, bring all your sons out. Bring them before me. And all of his good-looking sons lined up. Where was David? Was he, was he doing something spiritual, writing a new worship song to go into Psalms? Where was he? With the sheep. True. Where were the 12 disciples when Jesus was looking to change the world with 12 men? Were they working on their new fancy speech to, to, to usher in the new king? No, what were they doing? Doing normal stuff. What about uh, Moses? who was just about to meet God in a fiery bush. What was he doing? Was he up there tarrying for days and fasting and waiting for God to come? He was tending sheep. Normal, everyday things that through the lordship and connection of God, he went and found them and changed the world. 
So oftentimes, I always find myself weary, okay? And I put this photo of a road up here because our life is like a journey. It's like a winding road. You don't know really where you're heading, and you have highways and byways and ups and downs and all over the place, but it tends to work out that God sees the big picture. He sees the destination. We only see a little part of this journey. But we've got to trust him. We've got to know that he's the one in control and that he's leading us. And, you know, a lot of people have a real hang-up or a real struggle with God being in control. And I've even heard it said that God has too many rules. Okay? His standards are too high for us to live a successful Christian life. And that's quite ridiculous because I'll give you an example of that. That would be like us when we drive in our car and we're saying, oh, the road rules are just too much. They're, they're too much. It's too hard. You know, for me to drive on the right side of the road, it's just, I might as well give up. It, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? Because those rules are there to keep you safe. They're in place to keep you well. For example, I was thinking about it the other day. Next time you're driving down a highway, think about this. You're driving 100 k's an hour, and a car on the other side of the road is coming 100 k's back. How close are you from missing that car? Less than a meter, probably? It's a short amount of space. Yet if you were to collide, that's like a 1,000 tons of pressure hitting you. So imagine then, you imagine a car falling out of the sky, about to land on you, but it only misses you by a meter. <laughs> you would freak, but you don't panic at all, at all, when you're driving, because you know that the road rules keep you there, keep you straight, keep you safe. And that's all God is. That's what God's love is. Even in the garden, when he set up rules with the you know, do not touch my tree in the middle of the garden. That was with, with protection to keep us safe. And that's why next time you're reading through the Word and you find something that challenges you, don't panic. Don't freak out and think, oh, God, you're so tough on me. He knows us better than, than we know ourselves. He is a father, first and foremost. And remember, when I look at my son, I love him all the time, whether he's smiling at me or whether he's grumpy at me, whether I'm changing his nappy and doing the, the yucky stuff or whatever. I always love him. And that's what our father's like for us. That doesn't change. He's a dad, and he cares about us. I want to talk quickly about self-promotion over God's positioning. You must let God be in control. When you have those doubts and you're thinking, ah, I really don't see how me working a nine-to-five job gets me into the nations to preach the word. Have you ever had something like that in your mind? How is what I'm doing now equate, God, I'm just going to trust you? Seek wise advice from people around you, people that are further on in the faith. There's this, I love this community. I love that YWAM get to come in and, and minister to us. And I love that there's a, a diversity of young and older people here. But I know for a fact that the leadership and even other people here that are mature in God would love to get beside some of us who are struggling with decisions to be made and say, hey, what do you think about this? I don't want to be a a rogue, and do everything myself. I want some wise counsel, and that's great. Thirdly, I want you to be wary of people in positional leadership. What I mean by that is one of the lowest forms of leadership is positional leadership, meaning that people say, hey, because I'm president, you do what I say. Or I'm the pastor, you do what I say. I'm your boss, you do what I say. 
It's a very weak way to lead. And, and funny enough, when I saw that video of Ernie Johnson that I showed at the start, the, two days later, I saw a pastor in New Zealand that got on social media. You probably have seen it. That, and the basic headline is, Pastor blames the Christchurch earthquakes on the sin of Christchurch. So he's using his position that God has given him to not give a good witness at all to young Christians or even people in the world. And it was actually not my Christian friends that posted it. It was my non-saved friends that said, why would I go near a church that believes this? So be wary of that. You know, you might think that you've had a, an amazing vision or this unction from God. Test it with people. Talk to people that are ahead of you. Talk to, you, to the people around you that love you and know God, okay? Because that's something to be very, very careful of. Let God shape you and build your capacity, okay? Patience, I reckon, is the most underrated virtue of God and the fruits of His Spirit. Be patient and let yourself know that God is building you, okay? If you've got a big dream, and I know all of you do, because when you get saved, you don't just get the fire insurance, okay? You get God's heart. He, get, he gives you a uh, foresight for the future. Even like today, you know, some of these young people have got third and fourth generation blessings coming. That stuff's all coming, but God still has to build you to be able to hold that capacity, okay? And I hear so often, uh, and it's happened to me as well, you know, where I thought I was at a certain level in God, and uh, and I obviously didn't have the character or uh, the building blocks in place to carry that anointing. I really want to honor Mel because he spoke last week about ministering to the poor. And he shared a quote um, from that I said back when I used to lead that ministry. <clears throat> and, you know, that we are just ordinary people helping ordinary uh, people that said free care to look after the poor. And I remember a quote I used to tell the team all the time. I used to say, here at Set Free Care, at the feeding ministry, we care for the needy. And the needy is anyone that doesn't know Christ. So it gave a whole you know, spectrum. But I realized is that even those who know Christ still need Jesus. You understand? Even us, even, even you've been saved for many years, we still need to be connected to God. Okay? And finally, we've got to trust in His timing. God is never late. Never has been. He's in control. Got to trust him. Oh, God, I'm not feeling like I want to go to work today. I'm not feeling like this ministry is getting me anywhere. Or I'm just getting more and more down. I don't know what to do, but I trust in your timing. When I was a young man, uh, probably only a year saved, and I came into uh, the ministry at Set Free Church, I heard one of the best messages I've ever heard. It stuck with me for years about prioritizing the kingdom how you prioritize the kingdom of God in your life. And the preacher went on to say that it's like a train with many carriages. This is what people think, the normal Christian thinks, you've got to do in order to have a successful life. Because Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom, put him first, all these other things will be added to you. So it sort of looks like in the next slide, it sort of looks like, okay, you put God first, and then you put your family second, Ministry third, and then, oh, ministry. That's, that's where you eat mints. Uh, and <laughs> so I can't spell as well. And finally, you put work. And that's what I thought when I was newly saved. That's how you sort of have a successful life. But then he gone, went on to say, no, that's not how you should do it. Seeking God first means putting God first 
in your family. Putting God first in your ministry. Putting God first in your work. And believe it or not, I have a bit of a surprise for you today. That man is actually here today. The man that said that message. Uh, it's one of my best friends, Damon. He shared that message many years ago, and it's stuck with me ever since. And right now, he's actually going to come up and share a part of his testimony because his testimony is so powerful. Thanks, Saint. In summing up what I've been talking about today, that God will find you no matter where you are. Okay? Thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, Sean asked me to, to share a little bit about um, what's happened with me recently. Um, I've been a part of this church for uh, over 20 years, just over 20 years. Friends with Mal and Edith for a long time. Um, it's a privilege to be asked. Thanks, Sean. Um, last year... I graduated university uh, as a primary school teacher and um, I'd spent four years doing a degree full-time uh, and at the end of the year I was offered a job in a place called Dolby. I thought everyone knew where Dolby was but apparently not. Hands up if you know where Dolby is. <laughs> it's about three and a quarter hours that way, about an hour past Toowoomba. Now, I'd lived on the Gold Coast for 30 years, and so I had not ventured far away from the Gold Coast for very long in that time. And so I had a, a, a network of support in this place, obviously this church, my family, friends, I knew the area. Um, but I took a risk, and it was a big risk. And so I moved to Dolby to take up my teaching position, and I was a little bit like a, a little fish in a bigger pond even though Dolby's smaller than here, but I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any connection to that place whatsoever. Plus, I was starting a new career, teaching primary school students in Year 3. Um, I lasted about two and a half weeks, if that, in Dolby. And they used to call them nervous breakdowns. That's pretty much what I had. Uh, my anxiety levels were so high... And this isn't this is not a secret. I've told <laughs> I, I told so many people this. Uh, I, t I tell you know Mal talked about the the, the checkout chick with the nice eyes. I tell anyone you know who who asked, or even if they didn't ask, I tell people because I think it's so important that people know that other people are going through this kind of stuff. And I know there's people in this room who have been through that kind of stuff as well. Maybe even going through it right now. So my anxiety levels had gotten to such a point that. Uh, I couldn't do it on my own anymore because I was doing a lot of stuff on my own, Christian, 20-plus years. But I was doing so much of it in my own strength and in my own power. And so I returned to the Gold Coast and was just plagued by this, these feelings for months, probably four months of uh, anxiety every day. But Jesus... But Jesus, the things that I had learnt, the things that I had uh, preached, <laughs> the things that I had told others, given others advice in for so long, I had to really apply to a greater level in my life. And it's not that my life was particularly out of order, particularly. 
But it was that God wants to expand my capacity. He wanted me to draw deeper into him. And the only way I could do that was by letting go of who I thought that I was. When I started to do that, I had the realisation that I had to, as Paul the Apostle said, I had to die daily. (laughs) It was more than daily. I had to die minute by minute to overcome what I was going through in my life. And so sometimes I would just lay in my bed all day and just die to myself, die to what I wanted because I knew those feelings that were coming up had everything to do with self. And self, God's, God said to me, your, even your prayers are coming from self. I said, oh, God, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, and I can't bless self. I can't bless your self-life because it's not of me. It never will be. And so I said, God, I just have to die. I just have to die to my expectations. I spent four years at university, guys. I'd lasted four days on the job. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was, most of all, it was discouraging. But my faith was in God, and I said, God, if I never teach again, you are still my Lord. You have still got me to this point. I still have the blessing of God, and I am going to come out of this stronger than I was when I went into it. And so that was February, so what we're uh, nine months later. And it's still a battle. I did end up returning to work. I had seven months off work with no income, very little income. Fortunately, I was very well provided for by people in my family. But God was with me and in it every step of the way and I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to lose sight of that. He was with me every single step of the way, even when I couldn't see beyond that far from my face because of the darkness that had surrounded me. He was with me. And because he was with me, I knew that the future was going to be brighter than the past and certainly brighter than the present. I never ever wanted to give up. And so I, that last slide where God, where Sean showed the little train, I did preach that message. I remember preaching. I don't think I made it up, but um, I'm glad it meant something to you, mate. So I had to put God first in every aspect of my life, not compartmentalize my life. And say, this bit's for God, and this bit's for my family, and this bit's for my ministry, and this bit's for my work, and things like that. Can I tell you that today I rejoice because although the future is still a scary kind of place for me, um, I have opportunity to start again. And I will start again in 2017. I will teach again in 2017. I've been offered a job, which I've accepted. scares the you-know-what out of me, I'll tell you that right now, to go back and face up to that again. But I know that if I can take it moment by moment with Jesus, that there will will be nothing that I will encounter that he cannot overcome in me and in the world. So there's a good news story in it, guys. Trust Jesus. Trust the process. 
if you have to die to self, if you have to die to what you want and the way that you want things like I did, do it. Do it before it even gets to that point. It's, it's good advice, trust me. <laughs> Not just because I'm saying it, but because I lived it. You need to die to those things, even if they're legitimate pleasures in life. We need to let those things go, give them to God and let him walk us through every part of our life's journey. Thank you, Shane. Thanks. Wasn't that powerful? Uh, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. I used to be told when I was little, if you need a fix, Philippians 4, 6. We were going to read the whole passage there. Trust the process. God disciplines those he loves. This is not a road code that's going to you know, lead us off a cliff somewhere. God knows what's best for us. And Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to put up in a second a poem. Um, that's actually a song now. Uh, and it's a different kind of song you wouldn't hear probably at church, but it's all about God. Uh, the song is called Take Me to the Valley. And it's Alley, sorry, Take Me to the Alley. And it's a, uh, it's a jazz song, a jazz worship song. Um, and I and I still believe that there's people here that God wants to minister to. So you might think, oh, it's not my flavor. I know it's Ian White's flavor. He'll be up here already. But the words to the song are so powerful. And I'll, I'll, I'll read them to you and then I'll explain. While they build their houses in preparation for the king and they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing, they will be surprised when they hear him say, take me to the alley. Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones that somehow lost their way. Let them hear me say, I am your friend. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. You will have a pardon. Powerful stuff. So right now, just as I pray, I'm going to put this song on. And if anything is ministered to you today in the way that you felt you're not really sure about the big picture or you're wondering why you're in the same old job or why you're doing the same old things. I believe it's because God is positioning you. God is fashioning you. He is uh, stripping off some of those things that you're not going to need when your dream comes. They say the, uh, the coolest thing in life is when you find out what you were born to do. And this community... Uh, is here to help you find that, to be honest. We are here to help you on your journey, to disciple you to, to know what God is all about. So, Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you're the good shepherd that goes after us and continues to chase us down. When we lose our way, when we stray away, when we do our own thing, God, your love is still that big, it's still that strong that you want what's best for us. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Bible that uh, we can eat of every day and learn about the truth of who you are, that you're not a God of, of rules and regulations. You're a God of love, that you're a God of acceptance, and that you always want what is best for us. So, Father, we give you glory today. No matter where we're at, that we want to do this thing called Christianity with you. We want to follow you, Jesus Christ, and the, the, the example that you set. So thank you for today. Uh, come, even in this worship time, Father, and minister to people uh, as we get real with you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you feel, if you want to sit where you are, if you want to come up the front and get prayer, let's do it. Well, they build their houses in preparation for the king. And they line the sidewalks With every sort of shiny thing They will be surprised When they hear him say Take me to the island me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say I am your friend Come to my table Rest here in my garden You will have a pardon Take me to the alley me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say I am your friend Come to my table Rest here in my garden You will have a pardon
with um, a, a sense of what Shana's been talking about today. There's, there's perhaps many people here today that you wonder how um, you being in your position or in your workplace, how God can use you. Um, just imagine if we, if all of us just worked in a Christian environment. How how would God be translated to the world? You're actually in your workplace, positioned there by God to be an influence. Now you may not get the opportunity every day to share your faith. But it will come. When I was up in the mines, I um, when I went to uh, Ranger Uranium Mines, I, I didn't overtly say that I was a Christian. And um, I'd, I'd worked in mines previously and I, I had been very vocal with my Christian faith um, and when I went to Ranger I thought no I'm, I'm just going to be myself I'm not going to try and preach at everyone and um, anyway it wasn't long before a person who was having a marriage problem came up to me and said Mal, Mal you're different can I talk with you I get to share with him my faith later on in a um, in a, in a dead-end uh, mechanics job down here on the Gold Coast. I wanted, I wanted to be released into ministry. Um, I was working as a forklift mechanic, and every time I wanted to leave, God would just gently prompt me and say, Son, this is my provision for you. And um, 
Anyway, I, I decided to change my attitude. And the difference was incredible. I decided that I was going to go to work. I'm going to work unto my boss as to the Lord. I'm going to take every opportunity to stand up and be counted for my faith. And so what I began to do was I, one day I went in early and I, I got some engine oil and I anointed the walls of the workshop. And from that moment on, it was like promotion came. Um, I, I was able to um, set up a standard in the workshop of where, um, you know, the, guy, the new guys who used to come in and, you know, they bring all their girly magazines and I put a stop to it. I said, not on this watch. And I, I stood up for my faith in that place and it, it actually changed things and I was positioned to actually bring change in people's lives in that environment so I want to encourage you if you're feeling like how's God going to use me as Damon shared as Sean shared just put God first in every facet of your day, your ministry, your life, your family, put God first. Okay? We're done. Um, if you want prayer, I would love for you to um, just come and see me or Sean or, or, or reach out to the person beside you and say, hey, look, I need prayer. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. So put your hands on me and pray for me. Okay? And... Um, and we believe in body ministry here, and that's how we actually step out into um, being effective for Jesus. Okay? God bless you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your goodness. God, I thank you that all of that is in us. And Lord, we get to take that out into our environments to affect our workplace, to affect our families, to affect the environment that you place us in. Lord, to translate you to those who don't know you. Lord, to give them hope. Lord, let that hope arise in us so that we always are ready to give an answer of that hope that is within us. I release your blessing over this company of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys. The billy's boiled.